Good morning, everyone. Isn't it great to gather together to worship? Can you please stand?
seated. Good morning and welcome to Northside Baptist Church. Some of you have not been here in a while and it is good to see you. 
I talked to a couple of you walking in, and I could just tell with a smile on your face that you were glad to be back in the presence of God with the people of God uh, to worship Him. And so we are so thankful that you are uh, here uh, this morning. And those still at home watching online, we want you to know that we miss you and we love you, and we're still thinking about you and praying for you, and uh, we hope to see you uh, soon when you feel ready uh, to return. This morning we're going to go back to our praying the scripture and the message is going to come from Psalm 19 as we're continuing the summer uh, in the Psalms and we're going to talk about how God has spoken to us, primarily how God has spoken to us through his word. Psalm 119 verses 15 and 16 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. We've already had the opportunity to declare praises to God, and we'll do that again in just a few moments. You're going to have the opportunity to hear the preaching of the Word of God and to be able to respond to that. But before we go any further, I just want you to take a moment just to be still. Just to think upon these words, meditating, fixing your eyes, delighting in, not forgetting the Word of God. So I'm going to give you a moment just where you are to think through this. Let these words prompt you in your praying Maybe in your listening and you're preparing your heart for the preaching of the word of God. And then I'll close this time with the word of prayer and then we'll worship together again. So spend a moment right there where you are. Father God, we have gathered for one primary purpose this morning, and that is to declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are God, Yahweh, Jehovah. There is none like you. And, oh God, as we will see this morning through the preaching of your word, that you are a God who has spoken to us. You have communicated to us, your people. You have revealed yourself to us. Are we listening? Are we learning? Jesus, you said in John chapter 8 to, to the religious leaders, you said to them, for my words find no place in you. Lord, can that be said of us this morning that your word finds no place in us? Lord, if that is so, would you just convict us this morning? May we become a people who treasure your word more than gold. Who find more satisfaction in your word than we would find in the honey from the honeycomb. Oh God, may we just seek after you. For you are the one who keeps us singing. You are the one, God, who does all these amazing things in and through us. And we just want to hear from you today. 
So Spirit of God, speak. Move in this place freely. May we not quench the Spirit of God, but move freely, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand, let's continue to worship together. He keeps me singing. Let's continue to worship. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In a love life ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every Resting neath the sheltering wing, always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. Keep me singing as I go. Sometimes he leads through waters deep. Trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep. See his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing. I go trusting Jesus at sight. <laughs> Simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus that is. As the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him, whatever befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Brightly doth His Spirit shine. Thank you. 
Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Amen. Remain standing, if you will, in honor of the reading of God's Word. We are in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is 14 verses long. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11 right now. That'll be the focal point. And we will read through all the other verses as well. Psalm 19, as we read from the living, authoritative, powerful Word of God. Beginning in verse 7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. You may be seated. His name is Bill Clem. Bill Clem. He is known as the old arbitrator or the father of baseball umpires. Bill Clem. He is credited with introducing arm signals. So as the home plate umpire, he is the one that introduced the strike signal. He is the one that introduced the fair and foul uh, down the, 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 the fair foul line there. He umpired from 1905 to 1941. During those years, he umpired in 18 World Series. During one of the games in which he was umpiring, the pitcher threw the ball, the batter didn't swing, and for a moment, Bill said nothing. The batter turned around and looked at Bill and said, so what was it, a ball or a strike? And Bill said, it ain't nothing till I call it. It ain't nothing till I call it. Now listen, all of us have watched baseball at some point, from Little League to the majors, and we are all guilty at some point as getting a little frustrated with the umpire, are we not? Maybe you have said a few choice words, but the reality, when Bill Clem was on that field, he was the unquestioned authority. Whether you liked it or not, whatever he called is what it was, right? He said, it ain't nothing till I call it. Their word is the final word on the diamond. You and I live in a day of confusion. Now, things are happening so quickly these days, I can't even keep up. There are so many voices and so many opinions and so many speculations, and so many suggestions. This is the way. Somebody else will say, no, this is the way. Somebody will chime in, there is no way. To which we as believers say, there's only one way. Well, church, what you and I need right now is not more speculation. What we need is divine revelation. 
We need a word from God. And thankfully, our God has spoken. Our God has spoken to us. The Bible is God's word to us. And so as we turn to Psalm 19 this morning, right, we are going to see that God is a God who speaks and he is a God who has unquestioned authority. He has authority over all things because he is king of kings and lord of lords. C.S. Lewis called Psalm 19 the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. I want you to notice four things as we think about the word of God. Now, please understand, there is so much more I could say than is going to be said this morning. Um, and so I may not say something you would like me to say, look, I'm trying to preach this in about 30 minutes instead of five hours or a couple days. And so just kind of a, an overview of the psalm, just some things that I want us to be mindful of in our day of confusion. Here is number one, the Bible is the living word of God. Amen? Amen. It is the living word of God. God has communicated to us. He has spoken to us. He has revealed himself to us. He doesn't just create us and say, okay, now figure it out. You're in the dark. Make sense of it all. No, he not only created us, but then he speaks to us. And he does this primarily through general revelation and special revelation. I don't have this on the screen, but if you're taking notes, general revelation and special revelation, and we see both of those alluded to here in Psalm 19. Most of our focus is going to be on the second, special revelation, but God speaks to us through general revelation. What we mean in the most simple, basic way when we talk about general revelation is that God has spoken to us through the world in which he has created. So, if you begin to look there in Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1, you'll see this. The heavens declare, what are they declaring? The glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. We know from Genesis chapter 1 that God has spoken his creation into existence. God says, let there be light, and it was. Right? He speaks, let there be light, and there is light. We know from Psalm 19... That as God creates the world, that his creation is revealing the creator. So you look at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. You go outside and you begin to look up to the heavens and the heavens are declaring. If you could hear them with the voice, they're declaring the glory of their creator. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Right, These objects in which God has created give witness to the existence of their creator. They are speaking or giving witness to God's glory, his worth, his weight. There is a creator. Verse 2, day to day pours out speech. That, that phrase, pours out speech, has the idea of bubbling up and over. 
So every day God's creation is declaring, pouring out, bubbling up and over into the next day and over into the next day, over and over and over again. God's creation testifies of their creator. Notice this isn't a momentary melody or a momentary word, but it is an ongoing, never ceasing disclosure of God's power day to day, night to night. Paul makes this clear in Romans chapter 1. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. Romans chapter 1. Paul is writing, and he says, beginning in verse 20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been what? Made. So through the things that God has made, Paul says we have seen his eternal power and his divine nature. Look what he says. So they are without excuse. God's revealing himself through creation isn't enough to save you, but it is enough to condemn you. We are all without excuse because all of us with the eyes that God has given us should be able to look to his creation and to say there is someone who has made this. There is a creator. And Paul says he has revealed to us his divine nature and his power. But what do we do? Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. God creates us. He creates Adam and Eve. They were to worship him, love him, honor him, serve him, obey him, submit to his authority. But all things go south as they begin to disobey, live in rebellion to God. Do what God said, do not do, they do. And ever since then, you and I have lived under that curse. We, instead of worshiping the creator, choose to worship his creation. So what does God do? Well, God speaks. God communicates to us through his word, his saving plan to redeem those that he created. So in Psalm 19, 1 through 6, we see that God has created through, or God speaks through general revelation. Enough to say, look, there's a creator. We see his divine power. We see his divine nature. But then God gives us his word. The living word of God given to men, preserved and passed down through the ages. And the Bible that you hold in your hand is not man's opinions or man's thoughts, but it is the living word of God that you hold in your grasp. This is what the psalmist is saying beginning in verse 7 through verse 9. The psalmist begins to let us know that God has spoken to us through his word. Right Through this special revelation, the Bible is the living word of God because it is the communication and revelation of the living God. I'm going to point out a lot of things to you in these verses, but the first thing I want you to notice here under the living word of God is notice the phrase of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord. It occurs six times. Of the Lord, all capital letters. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah. This is the God who says, I am who I am. 
Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. There is no one like Yahweh, no one like Jehovah God, and he has spoken to you, to me, through his word. Hebrews chapter 4, you're familiar with these words, I'm sure. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning there in verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We know verse 12, it's the living word of God, but look at verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Our God, Yahweh, Jehovah, has spoken to you and to me through the living word of God, through Jesus Christ who walked on the earth in flesh. No one is hidden from his sight and we all must give an account to him. In a day of speculation and confusion, you need a divine word from God and you have it. And it is living. Secondly, the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Here's what we begin to notice in verses 7 through 9. You will notice six parallel statements. There's six statements, they parallel one another. Each statement contains three elements. We see six terms or synonyms for the written revelation. We see six adjectives to describe it, and we see six statements of what the Bible does. Let's look at the words or the synonyms that the psalmist uses. They're there on the screen for you. He says, the law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, and rules. Look at those words, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, rules. These words speak of God's authority. All of these terms portray the Bible as words that are to be obeyed. Hear me, they're not suggestions. God isn't saying, I suggest you do this. It might be better if you do this. No, the psalmist says, using synonyms, it is the law, it is his testimony, it is a precept, it is a commandment, it's the fear of the Lord, and it is the rules of the Lord. The Bible is the authoritative word of God. Look at the six adjectives used to describe God's word. Beginning in verse 7, there's two in each verse. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. It is complete. It is without fault. It is all sufficient. Hear me, please. There is nothing wrong with God's word. The problem is you and me. We're the problem. We can't measure up to the perfection, to the standard of God's word. And so we try to water it down. We try to bring it down to our level. We try to put it in terms that make us more comfortable. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. It is perfect. We are not. Notice what else David says. His testimony is sure. This is also the verse 7. It is reliable. It is faithful. It is trustworthy. It is worthy of trust. You can trust the living, authoritative word of God. Sam Storms writes, Scripture is the record of God's own witness to who he is. You want to know who God is? Go to the word. Study the word of God. God shows who he is. 
Sam Storm says, not only is it a record of God's own witness to who he is and what he will provide for us in Jesus. You say, what has God done for me through Jesus? Go to the Word, and you will see what God has done for you in Jesus. The third statement, beginning in verse 8, the precepts are right. God made the world, and therefore he establishes truth. God is truth. Now hear me. You may not like what God has to say, but that doesn't make it false. Doesn't make it false just because you don't like it. He's the creator. He's the sovereign God over all. He has given us his word, and it is right. Listen, God won't suspend the truth of his word just because you don't like it. I was listening to J. Vernon McGee uh, talk about uh, Psalm 19, and it was about seven minutes long. And he got to this part about the precepts of the Lord are right. And, and I loved what he said. He said, listen, you may not like the law of gravity. You may think it's an ignorant law and you wish God hadn't created. You don't like the law of gravity. He said, but if you go to the top of a building and you step off the ledge, he said, God will not suspend the law of gravity for you. You will not take off floating. You will fall probably to your death. I thought that is an excellent analogy. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean God's going to suspend it. He's not going to say, oh, Aaron, you don't like that part? That's fine. You don't have to be true for you. Do whatever you want. No, the precepts of the Lord are right. He then says in verse 8, the commandment. That word in and of itself, the commandment, ought to tell you this isn't a suggestion. It's a command of the Lord, and it is pure, or it is radiant. God's word makes vision possible. He then says, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Now, when it talks about the fear of the Lord, it's probably speaking to the fear of God that the Bible produces in us. As we read the word of God, it produces this fear, this reverence, this awe for God. And it says the fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean. If something is corrupt, it will decay. That which is pure will endure. God's word is free from impurity, and it produces fear and reverence and awe. And there's one more, he says. The rules of the Lord are true. I don't, I don't know about you, but the rules growing up in my house weren't optional. Uh, they, my dad didn't say, hey, what do you think about this rule? Let's talk about it. No, it was a rule, and I was told to follow it. The rules of the Lord are true. That is, they are totally dependable, total dependability. I was looking over my notes from several months ago, and I had shared this quote. Some of you maybe remember. Some of you are like, I don't remember this. Well, I'm going to tell you again. It's on the wall in my office. It's R.C. Sproul. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, you are required to believe to preach and to teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want the Bible to say is true. Listen, the last thing you want me to do is to get up here and for me to give you my opinion or to give you what I think or my suggestion. No, what I am to do is I am to say, thus saith the Lord. Now hear me, there may be times I preach on an issue, and you're like, go, pastor, get it, thus saith the Lord. And there may be other times that I preach on an issue that you're like, hold on, pastor, mm -mm. you don't say that from the pulpit, but hear me, I am to declare, thus saith the Lord. 
whether I want to, whether you want me to, whether we like it or not, because the Bible is the authoritative word of God, and it has authority over our life. Number three, the Bible is the powerful word of God. In other words, God's word gets things done. It's powerful. And six statements appear here of what God's word does. So these, again, are on the screen. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's word restores us. God's word transforms us. The word of God has life-giving power. That's why we preach the word. It also makes wise the simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Oh, man, when we come to the word of God, we must come with humility. We must come humbly and say, okay, Lord, you speak and help me to listen. And as we come with humility, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. God's word applied to our life makes us wise. So we begin to live out the word. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. God's word is not a burden. God's word is a blessing. Man, I was reading this week a verse in the scripture, and man, it just it came alive, right? And you rejoice when you read the word of God. The fourth one, verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word is pure and radiant. They dispel the darkness of human ignorance. The psalmist says, open my eyes that I might behold your wondrous law. The word of God enables us to see Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The power and purpose of God will never end. It cannot be thwarted. And then it says this, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, never false. They never miss the mark. Drop down to verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is a great reward. There are times we read God's word and it leads us to rejoice. And there are other times we read God's word and it leads us to weep over our sinfulness as the word of God convicts us and speaks to our hearts. 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Again, you are familiar with these verses more than likely. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture. How much of scripture? All, not some, not parts, not what you like, what you don't like. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. It's profitable. This is what it does. It's for teaching, for reproof, right, to rebuke us, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. This is the Word of God. It is powerful. It teaches us. It convicts us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It trains us. This is the word of God. And what does David say in verse 10? More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And drippings of the honeycomb. I don't know about you, but I have found myself just overwhelmed in recent days with all the news, with all the negativity, with all the things that are going on. It's like I can't even keep up. Right? And there are times in my life when, man, I wake up and I'm eager. Hey, what are they saying on Facebook? What are they saying on Twitter? What are they saying on the news? Right? What, 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 what's this person saying? What's that person saying? Right? And you're eager to go and to begin to take in the information. More to be desired are the words of God than gold. Listen, God's word is so much better 
than what I have to say on Facebook. Or what that one preacher or that other preacher you follow has to say on Facebook. Now look, that has its place. It, it, it can help us. But the Word of God is more valuable than that. In fact, the Word of God is more to be desired than gold. I don't know, man. If we had gold up here in the Word of God, how many Christians would say, hey, give me the Word. You keep the gold. Right? It's, it's better than honey from the honeycomb. God's Word is better God's word brings us satisfaction and joy and delight that the things of the world cannot bring. It is the living, authoritative, powerful word of God. And number four, the Bible is God's chosen method for salvation. They say, wait a minute, I thought that was Jesus. Well, Jesus is the means by which we are saved. We are saved through Jesus. But the Bible is God's chosen method for salvation. Let me uh, let John Nielsen, who's written a book called Bible Reading with Your Kids, a short little book that I'm reading through right now, and he, he makes this reference that the Bible is God's chosen method for salvation. And he says this, it'll be on the screen, the overwhelming pattern and expectation of Scripture is that exposure to God's life-giving word is the normal, expected, and God-ordained means of calling sinners into a saving relationship with himself. More often than not, what God uses to bring people into a saving relationship with himself through Jesus Christ is the preaching of God's word. God uses the preaching of his word. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, and now from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Church, what your family members need, what your neighbors need, what your co-workers need, what you need is the preaching of the Word of God. Amen? That's what they need. And people will not come to faith in Christ unless they have heard the Word of God proclaimed. Why? Because it is in the Scriptures that we see there is a God who has created us, who is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. But it is also in the Scriptures in which we are confronted with our sin. Look what, look what David says. We're almost done. Look what David says in verse uh, 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. It is through the living, authoritative, powerful word of God that we see those hidden sins that we're not aware of. We also see those right, presumptuous sins, those outward sins of rebellion. We are confronted with those. Look what he says in verse 14. Let the words of my heart and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Your words, your thoughts, and your actions should be acceptable in the sight of your Lord, your rock, and your Redeemer. But how often do your words and the meditations of, of your thoughts fall short of that? Because we are sinners who have sinned against the holy God. And in the word, we are confronted with those sins. But God doesn't leave us there in our sin. 
He doesn't just rebuke us and leave us with no hope. Look at the last part of verse 14. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you know why the world needs the word of God? Because the word of God points them to their rock, which is Jesus Christ. It points them to their redeemer, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? So you can't save anyone. So the last thing they need is your opinion. That doesn't mean you can't give it. It doesn't mean when you're asked you can't speak up or you can't say, hey, this is what I believe. Just make sure your opinion is always rooted in the rock and redeemer who is Jesus Christ. Because that's what they need. So hear me. This morning, face your sin. That hidden sin, that presumptuous sin, face your sin. Maybe as you were singing, the Spirit of God just hits you, right? Face your sin. Call out to God to save you from your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ, who is your rock and your redeemer. Give your life to Jesus. He is the answer. He is our hope. And hold fast to the word of God. John chapter 8. I mentioned it earlier in my prayer. John chapter 8, verse 37. Jesus says, to the religious leaders, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. If right now, man, your life was to be exposed for everyone to see, If we were to cut and everything in you were to begin to flow out, what would flow out? How long? How long would you have to wait until the word of God began to flow out of my life? Until you could say, look, the words of God, man, they're in Aaron. So face your sin. Call out to God to save you. Trust in Jesus. And in this day of confusion and speculation and suggestions, hold fast to the living, authoritative, powerful word of God. And hold fast till you take your final breath. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father God, I'm asking you right now just to speak. In this moment... Speak. Speak to our hearts. Show us our sinful ways. Show us where we have walked away from you, Jesus, your grace and your mercy. Show us where we are ignoring you or rebelling against you or twisting the words of Scripture. Show us, O God. Convict us. And then through the blood of Jesus Christ, forgive us. And give us a greater resolve than ever to hold fast to the word of God. Well, Father, in 2020 and going forward, I believe it's going to cost us more and more to hold fast to the word of God. So will you fill your bride with boldness and with humility And with great conviction that we will hold fast to your word. That we will speak to these issues that are going on all around us. But that we will speak from the word of God. 
that we will let the word of God flow out of us. And Lord, anyone here this morning watching online or in this room who has rejected you, never turned to you, never believed in you. Oh, God, I pray that you would open their eyes. That they would begin to look around to your creation and to see your glory, your weight, your worth. That they would begin to get in the word of God and they would see Jesus, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are Lord and Savior, and you are coming again. And may we be right with you, O God, through the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, empower your people to be the salt, to be the light, and to to be a people who will say, Thus saith the Lord, and to be willing to stake our lives on this word. For this word is the means by which I came to know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's through this word, O God, that I have come to know how holy, how mighty, how powerful, yet how kind and compassionate and accessible you are to your people. We love you, Father. We love you. And we don't want to be a hindrance to your word being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. So speak now, we pray. And may we respond to this word right now, this afternoon, this week. May we think upon it, Lord, and may it change us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you give me just a few minutes, I want to make just a couple of announcements. Number one, Vacation Bible School is July 6th through 10th. If you haven't registered, please register online. Uh, Miss Rachel has given me uh, an announcement that we are in need of more volunteers. So if you are entering ninth grade and up, and this includes anyone in the church, uh, originally Lindsay had said 65 and older at that point because of the shelter in place, but that shelter in place has been removed. So if you're 65 and older and you want to serve, we'll give you the opportunity to do that. So we need you to sign up. You can register as a volunteer on our website, go through Facebook, uh, and please register to help. Uh, one other announcement, and I'll send out more details this week, but I just want to give you a brief uh, overview. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to resume Sunday school gatherings in person. Now, we're going to try to honor social distancing the best that we can. Just be mindful of that. Uh, one thing that we are doing is if you are in Uh, The class that John Ferguson teaches, that Pat Ferguson teaches, or that Karen Hogan teaches, those three classes, it will be impossible to get all of you in your rooms and socially distance, and and we need to do that. So you all are going to meet in here, in the sanctuary, at 915s. We'll combine all three of those classes in here, um, and Mark Runyon's is going to teach that class. We're going to do that through July. I'll fill in for him uh, one week. We're going to do that through July, and then we'll reassess to see if it's safe enough to resume meeting uh, in your classrooms. I know the two ladies' classes that I mentioned, I tried to pass out your Sunday school material. You have that. Maybe you've already started reading that. If so, you want to stop. Because next Sunday, he's going to go back to the first Sunday of June. So he's going to start at the beginning of Hope. He's not going to pick up with June 21st lessons. He's going to start... Um, At the beginning. So, those three classes, we want you to feel comfortable coming to Sunday school. We can socially distance you in here, um, and you'll still be able to study the Word of God and be able to ask questions. So, that's going to be through July. Um, Also, next Sunday, 
for all our kids and our youth, when you come next Sunday, you are going to go to the classroom that you were in in March when we shut everything down. Next Sunday morning during worship, we're going to promote you. And then the following Sunday on June 28th, you will go to your new class. So if you're going into sixth grade, next week you will go to your fifth grade class. We'll promote you in here so you can have one more week with your teacher. Then we'll promote you in here. And then on the 28th, you will get to go with the youth. Right? You'll, you move up in the world. So um, if you have any questions, you can ask me and I'll send out some more information um, about that as we go forward. Again, we want to be mindful of each other. We want to try to follow the guidelines the best that we can and to keep each other safe. But we also want to begin to gather again to study the Word of God. So what we'll do here is I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Um, if you have not been with us before, or these last several weeks, this side, you go out that door, out the back. This side, you go out the middle. Yes, ma'am. right praise the Lord for that praise the Lord for that you may remember she had texted that in uh, one Sunday during the, the Q&A and so praise the Lord for that one thing I'm trying to figure out is, is what does the invitation look like? Um, I mean, six feet, you know, if you come forward, you and I can't have a conversation from six feet um, together. And so I'm just trying to think through what does that look like? But hear me, if you need to talk, if the, the Spirit of God convicts you, I'm always available. After the service, throughout the week, you just say, hey, Pastor, we need to talk um, and, and reach out to me. And so just one more time, will you rejoice with Ms. Carol and her decision to rededicate her life? The other thing is somebody has asked me about a new members class. I know we have several people who are interested. I'm still trying to figure out when is the best time to do that. Going into the summer may not be the best time to start up a class. I know some people that I think may join us haven't come back to the church yet. There's still social distancing. And so if you're thinking about a new members class, I haven't forgot about that um, either. That is, that is on my mind. But again, in this unique times in which we live, just trying to figure out what does some of that look like. So uh, let me close with a word of prayer. Again, you guys are going to go out the middle door. You guys are going to go out that door uh, right after I pray. If you'll stand, uh, let's end our service with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you again for being a God who speaks and, and communicates to us and you work in our hearts. And so God, I rejoice uh, with Miss Carol as she, uh, Lord, I know rededicated her life many weeks ago and uh, Lord, just, just gave testimony to that and reminded us of that, and we rejoice uh, with that, Lord. I know others are, are thinking about joining the church, and, and Lord, maybe you've been speaking to hearts, and they, they've been contemplating giving their life to Jesus Christ and being saved. Spirit of God, just keep working, keep moving. And I'm so thankful, God, that you're a God who continues to pursue us and speak to us and draw us, even when at first we may resist that. God, you don't give up on us, and so we pray. Lord, somebody this morning gave testimony of the work you're doing in, in one of their son's lives. God, you are, you are at work. You are moving around us. And give us eyes to see that and hearts that want to rejoice in that. 
Continue to move, Lord. Thank you for this sweet, sweet fellowship that is Northside Baptist Church. Thank you, God, for the privilege that we can call each other brothers and sisters. To be able to study your word, preach your word, uh, live out the word together. And so, Lord, as we go throughout this week, Lord, may we just say, thus saith the Lord. Lord, you don't need us to defend you. You don't need us to, to try to defend your word. You are God. Well, Lord, we do want to be faithful to speak that word into people's lives. So give us the power to do that. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week.